Today's scripture is from John chapter 11, verses 27 through 36. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, we have heard from the law that Christ remains forever. How can you say that the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness take over you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Welcome, everyone. Good afternoon. I'll try it again. Good afternoon. I hope everyone's doing well this uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, For those of you who are here for the first time, thank you so much for joining us to worship with us um, on behalf of the pastoral team. I want to say welcome. Uh, We see you. We're glad you're here. My name is Keith. I'm a pastoral resident here at Redemption Church, Tucson. Um, I've been here for about five months, so I'm I'm fairly new myself. Um, Tonight's topic in the book of John is not a light one, and I want to give a bit of a disclaimer I am not here to answer the problem of pain. I'm not here to answer um, the problem with evil and suffering in the world. Um, That being said, um, I hope that God speaks tonight, um, that you hear a word from the Lord tonight through me. Um, It is not light, though. I want to give that disclaimer. About uh, eight years ago, my wife, Desiree, and I, we were raising support to join the staff of CRU, Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, We were assigned to go to Arizona State. We're from Northern California originally. And so as we were raising support to go to Tempe, um, we found out to our surprise, um, but not to our dismay, that we were pregnant. And it was was huge. We were filled with hope. We were excited. We were encouraged. Um, And probably nine or ten weeks in, we had our first appointment. And at the first appointment, you get an ultrasound. And so we're sitting there, uh, and the, the, the mood is light. Uh, we're chatting with the ultrasound tech, um, find out she's a believer, just a wonderful, godly woman. Um, it's, it's cheerful. But as soon as she puts the ultrasound on uh, and the images start coming up on the screen, the mood changes just like that. It's silence. If you've ever been in a moment when you 
uh, hear silence from someone and you know that something's wrong, but you don't know what it is, oh man, it's excruciating. Those seconds were probably only a few seconds, um, but it felt like an eternity. The doctor came in and long story short told us that basically we had something called a molder pregnancy, which you can Google later if you want. It's, it's pretty random and not very common, but um, what had happened was that the egg uh, didn't have any genetic code. And so uh, instead of the cells growing in a normal way and becoming a fetus and a baby, um, they were splitting in the way that a tumor would split. And so we went from expecting our first child to my wife having a tumor. Um, the doctor was very serious. Um, he was uh, almost too serious, was telling us stories about a, a woman who died from that. And so now I'm filled with fear, <laughs> confusion. I don't know what's going on. Um, and to top it all off, they say, you know, after this is removed, after we have this settled, for a year, you can't, you can't even try to get pregnant again because it could develop into cancer. And so the car that we came driving in, filled over, you know, overflowing with hope, we left filled with doubt and confusion, uh, fear, not knowing what was going to happen. But the worst part, the worst part, was that our friends, well-meaning, godly people, Christians that we love, um, said things like, God's not going to give you anything more than you can handle. Um, man, I wish I could handle less. Uh, God works all things together for the, glory, the, the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Man, how much does he love me right now? And the worst one was there was a woman that, again, we love. She's a godly person, um, but she said, praise God, it wasn't a, a real baby. That just stung. Should I praise God? I don't know. Some of you are experiencing much harder things than this. I, I want to I acknowledge that. And what happens is if we're wearing the hat of the sufferer, the one who's experiencing pain, a lot of times that can lead us to doubt or it can lead us to even despair if we don't know what the end is, what the, the purpose for it is. But some of you, maybe you identify more with my friends. Uh, th- I will admit that's me more often than not, is that I'm the friend. Um, and we want to get through it when someone else is suffering it makes us feel uncomfortable and so we kind of maintain our distance or we're even dismissive towards pain because we want to kind of hurry them up in their process right the question that we need to ask and maybe you are asking even right now is where is god where is he when it hurts is he near does he see does he care The passage that we're looking at tonight, we find an answer. I'd like to convince you that God is the one who gives us comfort. That God is the one who gives us hope. And that God then sends us to be comfort and hope to others. Comfort and hope. Comfort and hope. So let's pray, and then we're going to just jump right into the text here in John chapter 12. Let me pray. Um, Lord Jesus, you see us you know where each of us uh, is at tonight uh, or this morning, for those of you watching online. You know the hardship that we're going through, and so I just pray by the power of your Spirit, you would speak through me a word of comfort and hope. 
to people who may be weary, that you would encourage people uh, through this sermon tonight. Let it be your words and not mine. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so if you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 12. John is the last kind of in the last third. It's in the New Testament. Um, No shame in looking at the table of contents if you need to, um, or scroll through on your Bible app and find John. We're in chapter 12, verse 27 through 36 tonight. Uh, If you were with us last week, um, Jake preached from the previous text, and we found out that Jesus just predicted his own death. He's only a matter of a, a few days. We don't know exactly, but within the week of his own death. And so he's staring down the barrel of uh, betrayal, uh, arrest, uh, mocking, beating, torture, and eventually suffering and suffocating on the cross until he draws his last breath. This is what's in his face right now. He knows it's coming. But I want to convince you, remember, God gives comfort. That's my first point. God gives comfort. How do we know? It's because he enters into our pain. All right, look with me at verse 27 and 28. This is Jesus speaking, knowing the context. He says, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Uh, a few, a few weeks ago, uh, my family and I, we were traveling up to Tempe, and we were visiting some friends, and uh, we put the kids down to bed in a room, and then we came out to the backyard, and we were hanging out. And uh, as we were chatting in the backyard, uh, the door to the, the house opens up, and one of my kids comes out, and like a wall of screams <laughs> just follows him out, and you can tell that there's just like utter chaos. Have you ever experienced something that's comically bad? This was like a comically bad situation. Uh, long story short, we, we run over, we find out what's going on, and it was dark. No one's pointing fingers here. Uh, it was hard to figure out where the bathroom was. Um, there was a big mess. All three of them were screaming. Um, not calling anyone out on this. But it was confusing, and it was filled with chaos. And uh, as we're cleaning up the mess, uh, Two of my kids are still screaming, and then my, my oldest, he like lays back, he just like lays fully back on this couch, and he's like, this is too much. <laughs> and it was, it was so cute, but for his little heart, it was too much, right? It was just, there was so much, he was, he was sleeping, and now he's not sleeping, and there's a big mess, and he doesn't know what's going on, okay? Um, but I wonder how many of you can even identify with that sentiment. This is too much. Maybe what you're going through right now in work, it just feels like this is too much. Maybe in your family life, your marriage with your kids, maybe pain that you're experiencing or the loss of someone near to you. And you look at God and you just think, this is too much. This is too much. Well, what's comforting to me in this text in verse 27 is that when God sees our pain, he doesn't stay distant up in the clouds somewhere. He enters in so much so that read what he says in verse 27. Look back at the text. Now is my soul troubled. Jesus says, this is too much. Father, this is too much. Jesus can identify with what you're going through. And what's even more comforting to me is look what he says in verse 28. He says this. He says, this is actually the purpose I have come for. 
This is the very reason I've shown up in the world. He's on a mission, and his mission includes entering into our suffering and suffering on our behalf. God is not distant. He comes in. The way that uh, the author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 4 is that we have a high priest who is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every regard was tempted as we are. We have a God who has gone through the things that we are experiencing right now. I find comfort in that. He is not distant. Also, God gives comfort, and how do we know this? Because God is at work in our lives. He is still working. He has worked in the past, and he will work in the future. Let's read what it says in verse 29. All right. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. But Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. This is only the third time that's recorded in the Gospels that the Father speaks. The first one being uh, Jesus' baptism, the second one being the transfiguration. So this is pretty critical here. Jesus cries out, Father, glorify your name. He says, this is the reason I've come. And then the Father says, I have glorified it in the past. I have already glorified my name. What does he mean by that? He's saying that, look at creation. Look at the works of my hands. Look at what I've done through human history. I have glorified my name. I've been at work. How do we know? Well, we look back to Genesis and we see that he is the creator God, that he walked with Adam and Eve, that he spoke with their ancestors Noah and with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob, that he made a people for himself, that he liberated that people out of enslavement in Egypt, that he gave them a land, he gave them a king, and he promised that forever they will have a king over their kingdom. God has already glorified his name, and we know it through the acts, through the works of his hands throughout human history. And I will glorify it again, he says, right? And namely, that's through the cross and the resurrection, but it's also through the restoration, the last day. But the people don't recognize God's voice. Did you see that? Look back at the text. What do they say? It's thundered. God's voice the works of his hands through human history sound like rumbling to them, a, a distant noise. I wonder for you tonight, um, when you look back through your own life and when you look back how God has been faithful to you throughout your own story, everything that he's done, I wonder if you misread what he's done and it sounds like a distant rumbling. I forget that God has already glorified his name in my life, that he's already been at work. I take comfort, though, knowing that he is continuously in work, at work in my life, that he's going to work again. I will glorify my name again. But I don't always recognize it, right? He's at work. Whether we recognize his voice or not, he is speaking. He is working. So God gives comfort. God gives comfort, and we know it because he doesn't stay distant. He doesn't dismiss. He enters into the center of pain, so much so that he says it's too much. And he promises that he's with us and that he's at work, whether we recognize it or not. God gives comfort. I also want to point out that God gives hope. I want to convince you of this. Let's keep... Uh, Let's keep reading where it says, uh, verse 32 and verse 33, all right? 
skip down a little bit. Jesus says, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Um, anybody a Lion King fan? Yeah? Um, I'm going to like out myself as a pretty big nerd, but anybody a Harry Potter fan? Like a couple people? That's all right. Hey, you don't need to know either of these to understand this analogy, okay? So the Lion King, or the main theme that runs through the whole thing is the circle of life, right? And the idea of the circle of life is that death, death is a natural thing. It's, uh, it's just part of the cycle, right? Like you live, you die. It's part of the, it's good even, right? It's part of the natural way that things operate. Um, in Harry Potter, in the last book, there's a little parable. And the parable seems to say that the wise person, when they come to the end of their life, greets death like an old friend. Greet death like an old friend. I want to say that those, if you believe those, those are not true. <laughs> death is not natural. Death was not a part of God's good creation at the beginning. Death will not be here in the end. Death is not your old friend. Death is your mortal enemy, literally. And Jesus uh, comes in. He's a savior and a rescuer who deals with death by taking on the root cause of death. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is death. So where did death come from? Death came from our rebellion back in the garden. Sin is what let death into our world like an invader. Imagine cracking the door open a little bit with rebellion and death comes flooding into the world. That's where it comes from. And so if we need someone who can deal with death, we actually need someone who can deal with sin. So when Jesus is talking about dying on the cross and all people being drawn to himself in this text, what he's actually talking about is how he is taking on sin on the cross. He's taking it upon himself. He's taking upon himself the punishment of sin, the consequences of sin, but also the power of sin. And he's putting death to death when he dies on the cross. That gives me hope because we have a God who can deal with death, who can deal with sin and has done so on the cross. But also, we have a God who secures a future free from suffering and death. So he deals with the consequences of sin. He deals with the power of sin on the cross, but he's going to come back someday and he's going to deal with death itself once and for all. Let's look at verse 31. It's probably my favorite verse in this whole text. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. The ruler of this world, uh, sometimes that's the way that the Bible describes the enemy, the adversary, Satan. And Jesus is saying, like imagine like a little, Satan's like a little flea just like crawling across right here. And he's like, he just flicks him right out of the world. Someday, Satan will be fully cast out of the world. He will not be a part of the world. Someday death will be flicked right out of the world. Uh, in Philip Yancey's book, um, it's called Where is God When It Hurts? And there's a number of excellent stories in it. One story that he shares is of Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, who's quadriplegic herself. And um, she has a wonderful ministry called Johnny and Friends. You can look it up. She has great videos. Um, but she describes an experience where she went to a home for uh, the mentally disabled, and they were in such a place where 
they didn't have the attention span to even pay attention to her story. So where she's like normally really gripping people and like her testimony is really like every, there's not a dry eye. They just couldn't pay attention. They couldn't stick with her. And it says this in Philip Yancey's book. It was a warm day and Johnny could feel perspiration rolling down her body as she struggled to continue. Finally, in desperation, she said this. In heaven will be the place where all of you get new minds. And as soon as she said the words, she regretted them. What if they sounded paternalistic? What if they sounded cruel? But instantly the atmosphere in the room changed. Spontaneously the patients started cheering with loud applause because Johnny had tapped into their deepest hope. What is our deepest hope? Our deepest hope is that there is a world that's coming free from death and free from pain, free from suffering. And Jesus' resurrection, when he rose from the dead three days after his death, secures that future kingdom for you and I. That place is coming for us. He is coming back, and he is going to make all things new. He's going to make all things right. Jesus removes Satan's power at the cross, and one day he's going to flick him out like a little flea. He'll be gone. That delivers hope. You can hold on to that, knowing that there is a final purpose, a final end to human history, free from sin and suffering and death. We don't know how our stories are going to unfold here. We don't know how our pains and our struggles end now. But if we follow Jesus, our citizenship, Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, our citizenship is in heaven. And one day, Jesus is going to give us new bodies just like he has a new body and we're going to live forever with him. There's a restored world coming. There's no greater hope than that secured future. God gives comfort. We know it because he doesn't dismiss. He enters in. God gives hope because he secures a future free from pain and death. Comfort and hope. Comfort and hope. And the last thing I want to convince you of is that that's your job now too. Go and do the same. Let's keep reading. Uh, Verse 34. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So the crowd that's following Jesus around here, uh, it's a group of Greeks we find out from the last text, um, and they want to have a conversation with Jesus. Um, But they're confused because the law, the Torah, the Old Testament promises that there's going to be a forever kingdom that's set up from the line of David, right? And so Jesus, being the Messiah, being the the heir to this throne, they think now is the time, right? Like you're going to set up the forever kingdom. Just do it. (laughs) Let's go. But Jesus um, doesn't say he'll do that. He says that the light is with them for only a little while longer and walk while they have the light, lest the darkness overtakes them. And we're left kind of wondering the same question as them. Like, why? Why don't you just set up the kingdom now? A little later in chapter 16, he answers that question. He says it's better that he goes because he's going to give us his Holy Spirit, the helper, 
and the helper is the one who's going to minister to us and through us to the world. So Jesus essentially says, I'm going because I want to use you. I'm going, am I cutting out here? I'm going because I, wanna, I want uh, to use you as part of my rescue plan for the world. All right, um, let's read verse 35 here. The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. Uh, when, when I was 20, 20-ish, I don't know, I went on a night hike with some friends. Um, and if that sounds stupid to you, it's because it's not very intelligent. <laughs> we didn't have flashlights. That was probably the worst part of it. <laughs> so we're walking around, and it's um, a spot near a lake. And so I'm, like, just truly concerned uh, for multiple reasons. But light is comfort. Light is comfort. Because when you're walking around and you're relying on the other knucklehead in front of you to tell you where to go, and there's roots and there's rocks and there's a cliff, when you can't see, you don't have any comfort. But when you have that flashlight, there's a sense of comfort. I know the obstacles at least that are right in front of me. Or maybe you think like the obstacle, like the bear or the mountain lion or something. Like I know at least I can see the obstacles that are ahead of me. But light is also hope. Because when you don't know your final destination, you start to wonder, what am I even doing this for? <laughs> why am I, which I was wondering anyway, why am I even on this hike? Um, but if you know where you're going, if you know where you're headed, it develops this kind of perseverance, right? Like, I can push through, I can make it to the end, I see that it's down there, right? Light gives us comfort and light gives us hope. And Jesus says here that he is the light, that he's the source he is the source of comfort. He is the source of hope. He says he's the light of the world. This is like the third or fourth time he said it in John. Jesus is the one who gives us a direction. He's the one who gives us a future. He's the one who's with us and includes us on his mission. So he sends you by giving the Holy Spirit, and Jesus sends you by making you a child of light. Let's read what it says in verse 36. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And when he said these things, he departed and he hid himself from them. So you just kind of, this is his mic drop, right? Like he says this last line and then he just like fades off into the bushes somewhere. Um, my uh, my two-year-old, his name's Monty, and uh, he does this absolutely adorable thing. He walks up, especially if you like, if you've ever greeted a child like face to face where you squat down, um, it's do it with Monty because he's incredible. What he does is he puts his hand on your shoulder, whether he knows you or not, and he just looks you in the eyes and says, hi. <laughs> it's just like heart melting. Um, and we're like, where did he pick this up? And we started to notice as we say hi to people that that's what we do when we say hi to people is we put our hand on shoulder. And that's not a great move right now during the pandemic, but <laughs> that's what we do. That's how we greet people. And for better or for worse, uh, kids will copy their parents down to like the weirdest pronunciations of words, um, the way you walk, the stuff you wish they wouldn't imitate. Kids copy you. They say the same things as you. Look at what Jesus says. He says, believe in the light that you may become sons of light, that you may become children of light. 
how close are you to Jesus? Are you so close that you naturally start to imitate his mannerisms, his vision for people, his heart? Are you close enough that you start to walk the way that Jesus walks, talk the way that Jesus talks? It says that if we believe in the light, we'll become children of light. And that means that we imitate the source. We imitate Jesus. There is a weary world out there. And some of you are like, you don't need me to tell. You don't need to tell me that. I know that there's a weary world because I'm living in it right now. There's a weary world that's filled with darkness. That's what Jesus says. Darkness is a place without direction. It's a place without future. It's a place without hope. It's where you just feel like you're aimlessly wandering through life. That's darkness. Jesus commissions you and me to be like him, to bring comfort and to bring hope into those dark places, the dark crevices where people feel aimless. We're ought, we ought to imitate the source. Uh, Henry Nouwen, he says this on suffering. He says that suffering invites us to, our pl- to place our hurts in larger hands. In Christ, we see God suffering for us and calling us to share in God's suffering love for a hurting world. The small and even overpowering pains of our lives are intimately connected with the greater pains of Christ. Our daily sorrows are anchored in a greater sorrow and therefore a larger hope. So if you're wearing the hat tonight of the sufferer, first of all, I just want to say I'm sorry. It's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. You're not alone, though. God is with you in your pain. He's with you in your suffering. Jesus understands. And you're not without hope. When Jesus died on the cross, he put death to death. And someday he's coming back for you to give you a new body and to bring you into his forever kingdom. And if you're wearing the hat of the friend, um, be a child of light. Be with your friend in the pain. Don't try to fix it. Be a faithful presence. Weep with those who weep. Don't try to dismiss. Don't try to help somebody push through to the end. Be there. Jesus is there. Be like Jesus. Be with them. But also be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Because as people see you suffering well and helping others who are suffering well, they're going to wonder why? Why can they do that? Why do they have hope in the midst of a hopeless circumstance? Jesus Christ is risen. One day we'll rise with him. He's our comfort. He's our hope. Go be comfort and hope to a dark, weary world. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you that you put on flesh. Um, Thank you that you don't leave us here um, without hope, without comfort. We love you, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to be good at suffering, and you'd help us to be good at helping others. We can't do it without you. We need you so desperately. Thank you that there is a future that is secure uh, with you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Help us to love you more. We pray in your name. Amen.